Hey there, and welcome to the Nutrition Edit Podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Oliver, and today my guest is Dr. Jason Scapa. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, one of my goals with the show is to introduce you to the different treatments and practitioners who can help you live fuller, healthier, more enjoyable lives. And my guest today has been one of those people in my life, so I'm excited to introduce you to him. After several sports injuries when I was younger, I lived with chronic neck and back pain for years, and I tried all kinds of treatments, including massage, rolfing, physical therapy, and traditional chiropractic care. These all helped to some degree, but the benefits were always pretty short-lived. Thankfully, though, through my previous clinic job, I got turned on to craniopathy and connected with Dr. Scapa. It sounds a little cliche, but he has truly changed my life, and his work has been the only thing that got me out of pain long-term. So I wanted to introduce his work to all of you as well. In his practice in Bellevue, Washington, Dr. Scapa sees a little bit of everything, but most of his patients come to him for hypermobility issues, cranial facial pain, TMJ, and headaches. Dr. Scapa has been practicing in the Seattle area since 2012, and having graduated from Palmer Chiropractic College in California, he went on to earn postgraduate certifications in SOT, or sacro-occipital technique, SOT craniopathy, applied kinesiology, and sports medicine through the ACBSP. He is one of only two doctors in Washington who's certified as an SOT, excuse me, craniopath, and has completed hundreds of hours of postgraduate coursework in the areas of TMJ, which are jaw dynamics and issues, TMD, or conditions associated with TMJ problems, airway compromise, cranial facial growth and development, and cranial dental co-management. He sits on the board of Soto USA, which is the SOT technique organization, and has an online education company geared towards healthcare professionals. In addition to being a brilliant practitioner, he is just a really cool, genuine person. So I hope you'll enjoy my interview with Dr. Jason Scalpa. Welcome to the Nutrition Edit Podcast for high-performing women who want to up-level their health and feel their best in their bodies, careers, and personal lives. In this podcast, I'll sift through the latest nutrition and biohacking trends to filter out the bullshit, share what you really need to know, and help you put the good stuff into practice in a way that works for you. You'll get actionable tips from guest experts and myself on how to up-level your mindset, workouts, relationships, and environment, and start feeling like the badass woman you are. Join me as we bust through the bro science and male-centric health paradigm to help you achieve optimal performance, body, mind, and soul. Hey, Dr. Scapa, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, Jeannie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation, and I'm so excited to share with all of our listeners what you do. And everybody, just to let you know, Dr. Scapa has been my chiropractor, and has really made a huge difference for me in pain, et cetera. And so I really wanted to talk with him about what he does because it's different from traditional chiropractic and have him tell you a little bit about it so you can learn about this amazing modality. So Jason, just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into doing craniopathy. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. This is exciting to, to everyone loves to talk about what they do. So I <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so I went to a chiropractic school, having never even been to a chiropractor myself. Chiropractors just have a big scope of practice, and I knew I wanted to get into healthcare, so I got into chiropractic. And there's, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousand different types of chiropractic. So there's so many different techniques and different methods, which is kind of what makes it special. Is you could really make it what you want. There's a lot of freedom allotted to chiropractors in their scope of practice, but also in terms of 
just the things you can get interested in and you can have a practice focused on this, that, or the other thing. So it was a little bit overwhelming at first. And I wasn't, I was getting pulled in different directions. I would just try to go to different clubs and different shadow, different doctors. And then the more I got into it, I just saw that the doctors that seemed to be getting the best results and the, had the most successful practices were certified in, in something called SOT or AK. So SOT is sacro-occipital technique and AK is applied kinesiology. So I started just, okay, I want to get people better. They seem to be getting a good result. Like, I'm not going to overthink this. I'm just going to, so I just started spending more time with those people in those groups and then ended up getting certified and going through, I'm on the board for the SOT group now and I teach for them and I still go to the AK conferences and that kind of thing. And I think those two techniques are great. There, there's so many good techniques. So it's just what fits best for you as the practitioner and then the patient, what you're needing, what you're wanting out of care and that kind of thing. But for me, it's been really, I, I can't imagine practicing without those two. I can't picture what it would even be like. So will you give us just a brief def definition of each one? Yeah. AK applied kinesiology. They're looking at, they call it the triad of health. So it's the physical, mental, and the emotional side of health. So you're looking at all three, you might not necessarily attack all three of those things, especially in a place like where we live. I practice in Bellevue. So it's, we have so many good practitioners in this area that you don't have to wear every hat and I don't want to wear every hat. So I, I love referring out and work as a team for a lot of these things. So I tend to have my practice focus more on the physical, some on the chemical, some on the emotional, but at the same time, I I know my limitations and I like to work with other people in that regard. AK is vast. AK includes a lot of acupuncture meridians, organ reflex work. There's lymphatic points. There's so many different ways you can go about applied kinesiology. So it's a really vast technique and sometimes you can get lost in the ocean of it. SOT is different. SOT provides uh, more of a framework for practice. So in school, chiropractic school, we're taught how to adjust the we can make this bone do this and make this great noise and go through them, mm -hmm. but we're not taught, uh, when to adjust, when not to adjust. And we're not taught what does a successful treatment look like? Like, okay. we don't get any of that, which is okay. scary. Yeah. yeah. You really just thump around on somebody and no, oh, that seems a little stuck and crack. And like, how's that? Okay, good. So it mm -hmm. leaves a lot to be desired in terms of outcomes. Like how do you treatment plan around something like that? Or how do you know right. if someone's really getting better other than just, oh, it feels a little better. Okay, great. So SOP yeah. provides some points of feedback and reference indicators that we can check pre and post. And then you're, you can still use a lot of different techniques within SOT, but it provides a box that you can then, okay, the patient, these are the big things going on with this patient today that I need to deal with. And I can use this tool, that tool. I can use some of the AK points. I can do whatever I want to use but this is my box. The next visit, it might be in a different box, right? So it's like, okay. we, I do almost like a full reeval. with, I think a lot of SOT and AK doctors do that. You're not just writing down what you did last time and doing that for 10 times and then reevaluating. You're doing that every single time because things okay. can change. Some people right. can stick with, but some people move through things really quickly. Yeah. SOT is sacro-occipital technique. So it's primarily looking at the relationship between the occiput and the sacrum. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at proprioception is a big point that we look at. So meaning proprioception is like how your body awareness in space right. and the contribution to balance. So all of our joints have proprioceptors in them. You could, as again, you think of those as little GPS units that are in all of your joints. So you can move your wrist or move your shoulder and you don't have to look at what it's doing to know where it is in space. That's because of those proprioceptors. All of our joints have them, but the joints with the most amount of those proprioceptors are the SI joints, which are in 
the base of your spine on the side of the sacrum and then in the jaw joint. So I try to get as much stability as I can in those two areas because they're dictating how the rest of our body is receiving that spatial information. So it doesn't fix everything, but it's a good place to begin. Yeah. Then the other big piece of SOT is, is working with the dura. So the dura is the covering of the brain and spinal cord. And then the uh, brain and spinal cord are floating in cerebral spinal fluid inside of that dural covering. And then that dura attaches loosely at every nerve root, but the main attachment sites, the main anchor sites are at the top and the bottom. So at the bottom, it's down at the sacrum. And at the top, it surrounds our brain and comes through the cranial sutures. So the mm-hmm. little zigzags in the head. So essentially in SOT, we're trying to get stability in the jaw and the SI joint yeah. primarily. And then we're trying to get as much torque off of those ends of that dura as we can. So those are the two big premise, premises for SOT, the two big takeaways. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a really, I've never heard it explained that clearly before. That makes perfect sense. And when you say the GPS symptom, symptoms, systems yeah. <laughs> of the joint, that's really cool because I know when people get older, proprioception tends to be a problem and there is more chance of falls and things like that. So yep. we want to maintain our proprioception and know a lot of athletes will train so that they're maintaining really good proprioception. and Absolutely. Um, so yeah, thanks for explaining that. And, and also when you mentioned more general chiropractic where someone's just cracking you and hoping for the best, mm-hmm. I've definitely experienced that with other doctors in the past where, mm-hmm. yeah, I might have some initial relief, but it didn't last long at all. And just to give a little bit of background. Growing up, I had a lot of sports injuries. So I rode horses. I was a snowboarder. I took a lot of really nasty falls on my head and my neck. I've broken multiple bones, ribs, collarbones. Yeah. 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 And even as a pretty young person, I had some serious body pain Mm -hmm. and it's something that I still have to look after and really take good care of myself because if I don't, I hurt. And so that's how I came to find you is because I was having pretty constant chronic pain. It wasn't super intense, but it was enough that it was really unpleasant. And all the body work that I was getting wasn't helping me long-term. It wasn't making a real dent. And tell us a little bit more too, like what, who is the typical person that would come to see you? And then am I pronouncing it correctly? Is it craniopathy? Is it craniopathy? Oh, craniopathy. Yeah, it's a craniopath and then it's craniopathy is the... Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's a two-part question. So maybe define craniopathy for us and how that's different from the SOT and AK. And then after that, talk about who your typical client is and what craniopathy is best at addressing. Yeah, sure. And then can I speak to something you said just now? Please. Yeah. I'm not opposed to regular chiropractic adjustments. Like they're actually very safe. Even the neck adjustments, there's a huge study called the Cassidy study that was done in Canada because they've nationalized healthcare. So they were able to really like hone in on, look at 100,000 cases of people getting neck, neck manipulation because there was a potentially an issue with stroke and neck manipulation. Mm-hmm. And then that definitively that was shot down. There's a casual correlation, but not a direct correlation, meaning like you were, that person was going to have a stroke no matter where they went. So they were actually more likely in the study to get a stroke going to a medical doctor or mm. going to the hair salon than going to the <laughs> chiropractor. because j- Simply because the, if you go to somebody and might, oh, my neck hurts, they're going to do an exam. They're going to move your neck around. Right. And then you go to a hair salon and you go to get your hair washed. You oh, yeah. go in the sink like that. And then it sets off 
so it's so okay. I just think it's a good tool in the toolbox, but I just think it, for me, I just found it was limiting with what I could accomplish with that tool by itself. So right. I, I'll do manual adjustments now every once in a while. I think they work better the further away you get from those attachment sites. So in that mid back area, a lot of times I'll just have people foam roll their mid back and you'll hear thoracic and ribs and yes, you can almost sell it. That's the easiest way to self adjust that area. Uh, and that's usually the place people have the least amount of problems. I think it's because it's further away from that dural attachment. But as if for me, it's like if, if I took my belt off and held both ends and twisted it and I said, Hey, Jeannie, un untwist my belt anywhere you picked in between these two ends, right? If you untwisted it, it would just, it would go back almost immediately. Yeah. So it's like, you have to undo the ends for a lot of that stuff in the middle to really go away. That's been my experience anyway. And then, yeah, to answer your first question, yeah, craniopathy, sort of this, this study and practice of working with the cranium. So it's a pretty vague, it's an umbrella term. And within that, there's a lot of, there's a, many different types of cranial work. Probably the most popular being craniosacral. It's what most people have heard of. Yeah. AK and... SOT are two of they're the two chiropractic techniques that involve the cranium more than any other. I think that's fair to say. SOT specifically gets really in depth with the cranium. There's a cranial certification that's pretty difficult to get through. And then there's a technique kind of based on SOT that I use sometimes called vector point, which is takes it even further with the cranial work. I just think it's 75, 80% of your nervous system is in your cranium. So it's, if you're saying you're affecting the nervous system, I, I think you have to work with the cranium somehow. Yeah, um, makes sense. It's just, there's all, they all, all the different types of cranial work have their benefits and drawbacks and that kind of thing. And they said, I, I just, I like the SOT method and the vector point method the best. And that, that's what I use in terms of the cranial work. Okay, cool. And yeah. tell us a little different, or a little bit about the difference between craniosacral therapy Mm -hmm. and what you do. Yeah. Craniosacral was developed by a guy named Upledger. So he was a DO, he's an osteopath, doctor okay. of osteopathy. And this was, I think it was like in the sixties, maybe something like that. So he studied under like the, it's not Southern, Sutherland's like kind of the father of craniopathy in general. Southern, so like Dejarnet who started SOT, Dr. Major Dejarnet, he studied under Sutherland. So he was a DO and a chiropractor. So Dr. Dejarnet took what he thought were the most beneficial parts of cranial osteopathy and chiropractic and put them into a technique and that, and called it SOT. Okay. Um, but another one of Sutherland's students, Upledger, he was getting really frustrated because he, as the DO osteopaths used to be a cool mix between a naturopath, a chiropractor and a medical doctor. Like right, they were this yeah. they, really cool mix of healthcare professions. And it was a really amazing profession. I, that's actually what I wanted to be originally. And then I found out they really barely do any of that anymore. You mm -hmm. might, you'll go to Swedish or go to a hospital and, and then you'll see a doctor there and they might be a DO. They might be an MD. You, you wouldn't know the difference. It's interesting. Once they started letting prescription drug rights into their scope of practice, it totally changed the physical medicine piece. Just like fewer and fewer. It's too people. bad. It's really a shame because they had so many amazing, I said, the guy who started SOT incorporated a lot of them in SOT. So like I've, I've been lucky enough to be exposed to some of them, but it's really hard to find a physical medicine osteopath and they're really few and far between a dying breed, unfortunately. But yeah, I think that, they're more common. I know my mom lived in New Zealand for many years mm -hmm. and the osteopaths in New Zealand are much more similar to what you're describing. They do the physical medicine, they know all the naturopath stuff mm -hmm. and 
So it seems to have been preserved there maybe a little more, Europe, but that's too bad. Has it it is, yeah. In the U.S. just with, with the, just because of the prescription, I think it's too political, but yeah, the, the yeah, prescription drug ugh. thing and the whole, yeah, it's a shame because it's a, I, I think it was a really special and a very niche, a needed niche that I think we've lost a lot of now, but Upledger saw this though happening and fewer people were interested in physical medicine. They, nobody was wanting to learn craniopathy or any other physical medicine in osteopathy. So he was just like, screw it. I'm going to teach it to whoever wants to learn. I'm not just going to teach it to doctors. Mm -hmm. So he opened it up to massage therapists who have some training. It's limited, but they, they take anatomy. They take physiology. Right. They know the body. Yeah. And they're legal. it's legal for them to touch somebody. So it's like they can do a lot of... So he created craniosacral therapy to teach to massage therapists. And essentially the idea was it was like a, it's like a set protocol to do this. And his idea was you might help somebody, but you're not going to hurt anybody. And that was it. And to be fair, a lot of craniosacral therapists have taken it way beyond. There's some amazing craniosacral therapists, right? But then there's yeah. also some that have just gone to one weekend course and say they do craniosacral therapy and sure. they don't really ever even, they don't even know where the bones on the cranium are. So mm -hmm. the, the range is like massive. It just depends who's around in your area. But craniosacral therapy is, it's almost like energy medicine. They're barely touching you. And it's great for like ADHD, anxiety, mm. really good for kids with anxiety where it's really good. And even adults, it's just very soothing. There's just one yeah. area and it's very, I said, they're barely touching you mm. and you just feel supported. And, but a lot of that's the practitioner themselves, right? It's the energy that practitioner right. brings to the, you could say that about anything, but, and it works really well with infant babies. It's great with infant babies because you don't need a lot of force with an infant baby. Their cranium is wide open. So even a little bit goes a long way and it's very relaxing. There's really no harm you could possibly do. It's, it lends itself, I think, more to mental, emotional anxiety. It's less, it's not strong in physical. If you're actually trying to change things or move, it's not designed for that. So it's not right. really not addressing structural thing. issues. Yeah, it's not really for that. Um, their premise is that they're trying to move cerebral spinal fluid, CSF. So their main diagnostic okay. is I'm feeling for CSF fluctuations mm. and I'm trying to redirect that, either lessen it or increase that. Or I just had a problem with that personally, taking some of the craniosacral courses. Just, we know CSF exists, but we know it pumps and we know it's really important. It's like the lymphatic system of your central nervous system. And okay. It does a lot of things. It helps with shock absorption. It helps remove toxins from that system. There's a yeah. lot of things it does. But we don't even know at what rate it pumps. We still don't really know that for sure. And the idea you can palpate it is a very contentious idea. Interesting. So I didn't want my main diagnostic tool to be feeling for something so esoteric. Sure. Okay. Some people say they can do it and I believe them, right? I just personally couldn't, I didn't feel like I was yeah. confident enough in that. And most of the patients I see are, are more pain patients. So right. it just didn't lend itself well to my practice, but it's a good... Yeah. It's a good practice, especially I said, if you find somebody that really is good at it, it's great. Yeah. I know people who have gotten incredible results with that, exactly. mainly for things that you're talking about, like anxiety, emotional, mental things. So mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. 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 So leading into that, I think that one of the things that I love about your work that has been so helpful for me is the fact that you aren't necessarily doing a lot of cracking because mm -hmm. I'm someone that will tense up and anticipate it. And yeah. so then I clench and I may not get the best result, but yeah. 
you just describe a little bit about how, when you're making adjustment, how that's working, because it's not really obvious, but I walk out, I feel better. And then I feel better and better for days to come. Nice. And it's almost two days later. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Like I feel like a different person, mm-hmm. but it's so non-invasive. Oh, so yeah. talk about yeah. that just a little bit. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a lot of it's proprioceptive, like we talked about before, and it's working with those dural connections. So we try and, like I said, work on the SI joint specifically because of how important it is. We're taking into account leg length, but there's ways to work on all these things where I just, I rarely have to do the aggressive stuff. Like I said, I'm not opposed Mm -hmm. to it, but I I maybe adjust someone's neck once every six months or so. Wow. Sometimes I'll adjust an ankle or a wrist or an elbow. I don't know. depends who's coming in. Yeah. I've done more and more work through the head actually. And we can work on different spots in those cranial sutures to work on the dura to affect spots within the spine. It is a little bit more subtle, but it's also, like you said, it's, I I feel like it works pretty well for most people that come to see me. And I think a lot of people have that anxiety with the manual adjusting, even if it is safe, but still it's not, I don't like getting it done to myself personally. I don't enjoy that. It feels Um, jarring. (laughs) It's very jarring and it's like, it can be painful too. Even somebody who's really good at it, it's still, it's just kind of, and if you're having to adjust the same spot every time, you know, I, I don't know how good that is necessarily. I don't think there's been a lot of studies on that. If you're adjusting the same bone, let's say weekly for two years, what's that doing to that area? I don't think mm. that's been, that kind of study has been done. And um, what's I'm curious about pulling that out of whack. The way you described it to me, I think when I first saw you was that if you can get adjusted till the cows come home, but if the dura is torqued out, it can pull mm. everything back out of whack. Am I yeah. remembering that correctly? No, yeah, you're exactly right. That's what I said, the belt analogy that I use sometimes. That's exactly, that's what I find. And especially the closer it is to those, to those main dural attachments. So, you know, the closer you get to the cranium, the closer you get to the sacrum, the, the more impactful that any torque or any twist within that dural system is going to show up more there than in the middle of the spine. As I said, mm-hmm. the middle of the spine actually responds better, I found, to, to physical medicine like foam rolling or popping or cracking or that kind of stuff, just simply because it is further away. And sometimes people do get stuck in patterns and that kind of thing. And so you can unwind this. If everything in the middle is so rigid, it might not just go with it. So sometimes you have to yeah. help it along to get it to, in some cases, especially if someone's just had, some people have like never had any physical medicine their whole life and they come mm-hmm. in and they're like 60 and it's just, man, like yeah. they could really use like, what I do, but also a full rolfing, just, you just need somebody to just tear you up and in a good <laughs> yeah. way and just get, oh, yeah. I've had get, a lot blood flowing, get, get blood into those tissues and get everything moving again. And, and uh, that's going to be beneficial for that person, probably more than what I do initially. Yeah. So who is your typical client? I know that you work with athletes and all kinds of people like me, but give mm-hmm. us a little rundown on that. Yeah. It didn't start out this way, but my practice now is probably at least 75% craniofacial pain. So TMJ, okay. uh, headache, neck pain, tinnitus, that kind of stuff. That's at least 75% of who I see. I work with a lot of dentists and orthodontists. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of my practice now. And then, I don't know, maybe 15, 20% athletes. Okay. And then 5, 10% miscellaneous. My back hurts, yeah. pregnant women, infants and whatever. But yeah, most of it's craniofacial pain. I guess you could include kids with craniofacial development issues as well. That's part of that Mm. group, I think. But yeah, Yeah. that's mostly who I see now. But it's a little bit more specialized 
than most chiropractors, I would, I think. So it just happened that way. And I, I like it. I really enjoy it. I like working with the dentist and orthodontist and myofunctional therapist. And I enjoy that. I like it a lot. And then it's nice to have the athletes come in that are different. It's the same, but different. Like you said before, it's all proprioception and it's all dural torque. And so it's what's causing them to go into a sympathetic or what's causing this. So it's just, you might, the focus might be a little different. I might, mm-hmm. in an athlete, like in sprinters, a lot of times we're looking at like major muscle groups in the lower extremity, just because that's their, yeah. they get classic like hamstring issues. It's like for, for the sprinters, yeah. it's a hamstring. Explosive so, movements. Yeah. So then I come with a hamstring problem and they might have a glute that's not firing. So we mm-hmm. get the glute to fire. You said, I still check the pelvis, the SI joint, just because of the proprioception. I'll still check the jaw. It's still relevant. So there's, a, there's some overlap in, with some of these patients. It's amazing how impactful the jaw is, the descending patterns that can happen from the bite and the, the jaw. It's really quite incredible. It's known, but I don't feel like it's talked about very much. So the PGA Tour, the golfers. Yeah. So it's illegal for them to wear an oral appliance because it's potentially a performance enhancer. So, <gasps> really? Yeah. That's it can go crazy. the other way though too. More often than not, the dentist orthodontist, they're just focused on aesthetic. So they'll just throw your bite into a, like a classic class one, just a, pre- it looks good, mm-hmm. but the jaw's in a wrong spot and the bite's mm-hmm. way off and they, they need retainers to hold you there because that's, that's not where your bite wants to be. Okay. And so that, that'll cause a descending pattern that'll go down all the way down. And so that will actually weaken somebody. But if you get somebody, if you work with somebody who knows how to make these correctly, then you can actually, it can be a performance enhancer. Power lifters, they, it is legal for them to use. And there's actually brands that market specifically to them because mm-hmm. it increases that descending proprioception and they can lift more weight yeah. without appliance in their mouth. So, And I would think it'd be safer too for them to lift that. You have more proprioceptive capacity and it's, yeah, it's better. You, you talk to people that are going through orthodontic care and that kind of thing. And it totally throws off that system, even if it's a good thing. But to, even if you're in a good direction, for a while, your body's, it's called the stomatonathic system. It's just the way that your bite and your jaw influence the neurology descending. And they'll be like, gosh, like I'm so frustrated with myself. Like I couldn't do this yoga pose that I, I, I can do it all the time and I can't hold it. Something's way wrong. Mm. I don't know. That's it's normal, especially with jaw patients. If we're trying to like deprogram a pattern. It's like their jaws sending out a signal, like, where am I yeah. in space? It can't find it, but that's what we want to break that pattern, right? So that, yeah, so it's, it's really impactful with the Interesting. set of athletes, but also pain patients and that kind of thing. So there, there's a lot of overlap in, in terms of who I see. Yeah. And I had Dana Tasha on a previous episode talking about myofunctional therapy. Yeah. And I know you guys work in partnership sometimes. Articulated that so well. It was great. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, so how would you guys address yeah, taking a lot like, of is there therapy kind of an courses, aspect that you would address that would be different therapist. from what she's doing? So it's, I, if there's a patient that comes, and this isn't uncommon, mm-hmm. just because of the population I see, if they've got just like a chronic neck issue, and I know enough to check the tongue and the mouth and like a lot of mm-hmm. stuff she talked about, like I, I could point it out. And then if it's something that's a problem, and I love what she said in, on your podcast about how just because the time, especially with the frenum, some people want to go in like Star Wars and laser every frenum. There's no good frenum, but a dead frenum. And she made the point of well, time out. Let's look at the function of what's happening. Mm. So, yeah, that's the lingual frenum. And so but that ties in, right? the okay. tongue attaches into the jaw and into the base of the skull. Yeah. So a lot of people, if they're, like if they're going to an upper cervical chiropractor and their upper cervical spine keeps going out, or I keep having like suboccipital headaches or 
neck pain. And if I treat them a few times, if I find that there's some restriction there, I note it, especially if it's mm-hmm. not super obvious, but it's there. I'll say, okay, I'll take note of that. If I'm treating them a few times and we're not getting to where we want to be, mm-hmm. I might give them some tongue exercises to do. And if it's mm. helping or hurting a lot, that's when I'm like, okay, go see the malfunctional therapist. Cause then we know the tongue's involved and then it's, we want them to come in because they're going to sit down with a person right. and re- like you said, Dana's yeah. evaluation is like really thorough. She's going to break it down. And it's, she was being really modest on your podcast. You know, she's excellent mm-hmm. and it's just like everything else. But there's, a, like I said, there's a lot of malfunctional therapists who sometimes knowing a little bit is dangerous. And so some of them just are like, the tongue is everything. And it's just, okay, yeah. it's important, but it's like, it's part of a system. So it's like, she really is good. And she really understands it's that part of a whole system. And I think I, I, I really enjoy working with her. And I think she's really special. Like I, I wouldn't recommend just going to some random malfunctional therapist. I would, I would call, if she's not in your area, I would try to, I don't know, get a recommendation from her or call her and try to figure it out. Cause right. it, I, there's a, there's a, an infant baby that was referred to me like last year. This baby was like, yeah. When I saw her, she was like six months old, something like that. She'd already had three tongue tie surgeries. And she'd been working with a malfunctional therapist who kept recommending this to her, but it was just a disaster. I was just like, just time out. This is terrible. There's so much scar tissue now. You want to do another one? And I was just like, what are we doing here? I think it's just, sometimes it's just pausing is a good Mm. idea, but yeah. Right. Absolutely. What, um, well, yeah. And that brings me to my next question about trauma. Talk a little bit about mind yeah, I, connection and that's how the you area see stress I get and trauma into manifesting the in, in my bodies. practice, but I honestly feel like that's probably the most important part of someone's health. Uh, I, I think it's really important mm. and there's a stigma around it and the whole thing. The, the way I address it is I'll have it on my intake form. I just say, just, have you had any mental, emotional, sexual trauma in your life. I think, I think those are, the, I might've added a couple others and it just, yes or no. I don't need to know the detail. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I said, I'm not trained in that, but I just need to know that it's there yeah. because if we're trying to get somebody out of a sympathetic dominant state and you could be in a sympathetic dominant state through nutrition, you could be someone that's anemic, could be the mental, emotional stuff, could be physical stuff, could be breathing like Dana was talking about. There's so many things yeah. that can put you there, but if there's, And just to clarify really quick, sorry to interrupt you about being in a sympathetic, that's what you would probably know as the fight or flight state of your nervous system, you know, being in that kind of like, holy crap (laughs) place versus parasympathetic, which is what we call rest and digest. It's much more calm and you you don't feel threatened. When you're in sympathetics, you could be doing everything right. Yes. And you're not going to be getting the benefit that you would get if you were pulled out of that into a parasympathetic. So sometimes it's not necessarily that the things you're doing aren't working because of those things. It's something else that's keeping you from letting those things work as well as they could. But so I, just, I said, for me, I, if they mark a lot of those things, then I ask, I just say, where do you feel like you are with those things? As I tell them, you don't have to talk about it. Just where are you with that process? So someone like, I'm seeing somebody, I feel like I'm in a really good space with that. Like I've come to peace with it. Like I'm good with, I'm good in that area. Some people are like, I struggle with that every day. It's a huge part of my life. I've been to talk therapy and I, it didn't help me or I've plateaued or it, it's a disaster, yeah. right? And so I just need to know where they are. I found people are usually pretty good at self-reporting that. They're pretty honest with their reporting of that. 
But if they're not good, it's just good for me to know that. But then I also try to mm-hmm. inquire about their willingness to pursue that further in a different way. Not with me again, but things like EMDR, eye, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. There's things like brain spotting. Sure. There's a probably a million others that yeah. I don't even know about, but there, there's other ways you can get into that system without having to mm-hmm. sit down and like traditional talk therapy style. So that sometimes they can get to another level with somebody like that or make a breakthrough that they weren't able to before. If they're open to it, then I'll recommend some people. And if right. not, that's totally fine. But I do tell them like, hey, it's, it, does, it is going to be harder to get you through whatever you're working with. And I explained that triad of health that we talked about before. Trauma is trauma. Like it doesn't matter if it's mental, emotional, physical, chemical. Like yeah. we only have one stress response. It's a sympathetic fight or flight. And that's it. I've taken some of the EMDR scanning work and I mm-hmm. use that in my practice, but I don't do EMDR. I've just found that helps facilitate what I'm doing. But yeah, I used to order labs for neurotransmitters and I used to get a lot more into that, but I just, I think it's more complex than that in a lot of cases. And I just didn't, uh, I I just didn't, I just didn't want to go there necessarily, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pieces to it. Diet's a big piece of that and they're nutritional, but it's like home environment. There are so many factors. So it's just, you can just do what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I ask because I know that stress for me really manifests. And if mm-hmm. I might not think necessarily mm-hmm. that oh, I'm, you know, under too much stress or I'm ruminating on things, sometimes I'm just of it, but often my first indicator that I need to, mm. you know, get some support or I need to chill is because I get mm-hmm. pain as that starts to kick it. What is my, what's it trying to say? So yeah. So that's, that's good to know. Um, and you mentioned nutrition. So obviously you and I have talked about this in person a lot, but from your perspective, how can yeah, those nutrition issues- Viscerosomatic and somatovisceral reflexes. Essentially what that is, the same nerves that go in, that from your spine to innervate muscle also goes to an organ. And so there becomes this triangle link between the organ, mm-hmm. the spine, and the muscle that it's innervating. Yeah. And so they're on different tracks. So the, the classic example of this that most people have heard of is one sign of, especially males that are getting about to have a heart attack, they'll get left shoulder pain. So that's the classic, but every organ has that reflex. Okay, so right. that they've been studied. It's a real thing. And in chiropractic, we use something called CMRT, just chiropractic manipulative reflex technique. And in AK, they use some the lymphatic, neurolymphatic points, neurovascular points, but we can help break that cycle down a little bit. I see this one with thyroid, like all the time, the lower neck is restricted. We can get everything else to let go. The lower neck stays really rigid and tight. And the Mm. lower neck is where the brachial plexus starts. So that's a big bundle of nerves that come out of the the lower cervical vertebra that that then splits up and innervates all the muscles in your arm and your hand. So if yeah. that just stays really rigid there, then a lot of people will have some problems with that. And with some of these people, you can do whatever you wanted to there, but it's the thyroid that's causing the, the pathway. And they'll be like, my labs are good, and which is classic with thyroid, right? Like my labs look good, but I still have symptoms. So it's like, there's a lot of layers to that, but I think one, one of them right. is breaking normal. feedback normal. loop in terms of the, the thyroid with the lower neck. So we can do some kind of organ therapy on that. Sometimes like a homeopathic or something like that. It's more of an energy based thing. To help break that cycle and then get them past that. But yeah, you yeah. see this certain body parts more than others. But 
Oh yeah, it's, it's visceral to visceral. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And do you feel like that so, goes yeah, both ways? Yeah, if we have a, a like the thyroid muscle can cause issue, these issues that and can then, then structural also the yeah, organ. Yeah, and yeah, and vice versa. It goes both ways. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. So cool. Yeah, that's really that's really fascinating. Um, yeah, just jumping back to the nutrition piece. So, how does that? tie in for you? Like if someone's, I mean, obviously we know inflammation, like if someone's eating a really inf- sure. diet that can increase just, yes. they're probably going to have more body pain. Yeah. So yeah, systemic inflammation is a tough one. Sometimes I think it's like overdiagnosed and sometimes I think it's underdiagnosed. I don't know where, I don't know. It's like a, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's a weird, uh, I think the mental emotional stuff ties into that. Yeah. Like, do they just get in that fight or flight kind of thing? I think leaky gut is a part of that. So I think there's certain Certain times I think dietary, even if it's a, like a, a healthy diet, it's just not right for that person at that time. There's something called the ileocecal valve, for example, connects to the small and large intestine, but that's really affected by like fiber, right. like high fiber type thing. So if that's active on somebody and usually that'll radiate in the low back. So if that's happening with somebody and it's just coming up again, again, I'll have them go on a really low fiber okay. diet for a while. Just for a while, I make sure to tell them that this isn't like a healthy diet. This isn't like what you're supposed to do forever. This is just to get you out of this. And we'll do some physical medicine stuff as well. But like we need more help than that. But no, diet's a huge piece. It's a big deal. There's a patient I had recently. He's an older guy. I think he had a lot of lymphatic drainage issues. He had a lot of metal issues. And that was causing a lot of head and neck pain for him. He went Mm -hmm. on like a, a MAO inhibitor, the... It's a, I think it's the enzyme that breaks down histamine. DAO, that's what it, yeah, okay. sorry. And man, it was like a game oh, changer DAO. for him. It's really, yep. it was amazing DAO. for him. And then I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of it. Yeah, it was yeah. A, it was, I was I like, wow, DAO. this is cool. It's a huge difference into it. Just, just to me, as much as you think, always, there's yeah. always a million times more. <laughs> so yeah, you can't, can't really get too, too high on your horse. But yeah, so he, yeah, he else, did right? so well with that. And then the, uh, we had him start using a rebounder for so the lymphatic true. stuff because he was working with his naturopath on the metal detox and he was getting like a terrible reaction because mm-hmm. he just wasn't doing the lymph. And it was, but the, yeah, with the rebounder and that MAO was like, yeah, that can be rough. great. No, it's, and then like anemia is like a big, if someone's anemic and they're not getting oxygen to their cells, then yeah. it's like, nothing works. Nothing's going to, so it's like oh, the patient yeah, that Dana point. was talking about that's, got sleep disordered breathing yeah. it's essentially like a form of anemia they're not getting oxygen to their cells and it's like that I and mean, that's why they end up having mm-hmm. every disease you don't want your chance of right. getting it increases exponentially with apnea and sleep disordered breathing cardiovascular disease stroke everything but it's just you're literally starving your cells of oxygen so it's a huge deal and do you find that that's more common mm-hmm. i mean at least from what I know, I know anemia is so much more common with women, mm-hmm. just periods. And if women are having heavy periods, it's especially problematic. Um, I know, you know, a lot of us want to be giving mm-hmm. blood. I've actually had my doctor say, whoa, you got to back your max. I, you know, can easily yeah. get anemic. So yeah, um, for that yeah. specifically, definitely. Like, <laughs> Speaking to that a little spe- bit, you any see for teenage women. girl that comes in, usually if I'm seeing a teenage girl, it's for a craniofacial dental assessment of what's going on. And they've been to 12 different dentists and orthodontists. And they've got 12 different opinions and they don't okay. know what to, which one. So I try to guide them on what would be helpful and that kind of thing. But then the other group would be athletes. And so a lot of times 
and this isn't specific to female athletes. It's just like you said, female athletes now they're especially the teenage girls, like they're on their cycle. So they can't respond as well because they have, they're losing so much blood and they're anemic. So usually a teenager isn't eating well to begin with. Their sleep schedule is trash. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of these athletes are training. And so yeah, uh, and the yeah. first thing I do with, with almost any of them is order labs or have, or have their primary practitioner, who, somebody mm-hmm. just order labs. And let's just, like, that's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to give you, I'll work on them while they're there, but I'm not going to have you take this, that, or the other thing. If you're mm-hmm. anemic, like that's first stop and then that's the most important right. thing and most of them are that comes back and they lo and behold like a classic sign i see with this with the athlete the female athletes is like they'll come in with one spot oh it hurts right here so we'll do i usually work systemically and then at the end i focus on that point because you know, nothing mm-hmm. happens in a vacuum so i said i kind of work on the big things and then hone in on the smaller stuff but we'll dig into that whatever and then next right. week they'll come in like this is gone but now it hurts like my hamstring on my, on the other side hurts. Okay. So once that happens a couple of times, I'm like, it's pain that like jumping all around. So it's not, if it was a torn peck or something, then jumping around, it would be very clear. And they would come back. It's the same thing, or we're either making progress or we're not, but it's like in the same area and it's, it's just hopping everywhere. They don't know if they're tired or not usually because they're all on energy drinks and they're all like, they don't know their bodies well enough to answer some of these questions that like, I, I took it for granted Gosh. for a while. Right? I don't trust them anymore. I don't, yeah. tr- I don't trust what they tell me. Like I trust what the parents tell me that I read the, I just do my assessment and see, but <laughs> yeah, they, if I have any doubt, I have no qualms with, Hey, I hope it's negative. I'm just like, I, I, I hope it is, but I feel like we need to rule this out and vitamin. I was like, while you're getting the blood, just get the vitamin D as well. So a bit, such a big one. And then most of the time, those teenage girls are anemic. And they said for, for adult women, a lot of times it's, I'm sure you see this a lot of the yeah. low progesterone and really high estrogen or like a really inflammatory type of estrogen. That's complicated too. Is that some of that's yep. maybe the sleep disorder breathing. Some of that's mm-hmm. diet. Once the hormones are off, it's like, it's like you have to wrangle everything in. It's there's so many, you can go at it from a thousand different angles. Yeah. Yeah. And I see often too, that doctors will do labs and they'll do some standard iron testing, but they don't necessarily look at ferritin. And then once tested, it's in the tank and that's storage form of iron. And I know I was complaining, Mm -hmm. I was earth thinning and all these things. It's like, well, you have no ferritin. You can't, you know, it's going to do for you. You were like on the edge. They just check your red blood cells. Um, It's fine. Just because you you haven't fallen off the cliff yet. That's what you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Always low end of normal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Low end of normal. And there's that whole like normal versus optimal lab display. That's a big one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think as practitioners, we all have to get over our own. We all just want to get into what we do, but I feel it's most beneficial to the patient to at least have some understanding of other systems and it depends on the population you work with. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I said, I work with a lot of dentists, orthodontists. I see this a lot. Like they, even the really good ones, they have one appliance they focus in on or one, mm-hmm. they're just airway focused or just jaw focused or just bite focused. But if you affect one, you affect the other one. So it's like, you have to have some understanding of yeah, their how one affects the other one. Or I see a lot of patients that, that the reason they're in my office, the adult pain patients is because of the ortho work that they had done. So their bite looks really pretty, but now they have an airway problem and a TMD problem and headaches. And it's, it's really because they had issues beforehand, but it was really the, the, the orthodontic work 
I said intention, but that was what kind of sent them the wrong ways. And a lot of us just, I guess with everybody, most people just want to do the minimum and that's, yeah. that may serve them well for a lot of people. But yeah, I think a lot of people maybe need more than just a minimum assessment. And my thing is if you're getting labs anyway, why not, if you're assessing somebody for thyroid, like why wouldn't you test other things besides TSH? Like you're getting it done anyway. They're getting the blood drawn. Just tack on a few things. What's it, what is it? Is it cost yeah. an extra 10 bucks? I don't know. It's yeah, it's a little odd how that works. Yeah, some of it's just the insurance system maybe, or I don't know, but it's frustrating for sure. Yeah. Hello, nutrition editors. If you've been listening and you're ready to put this work into practice in your own life, head over to joliverwellness.com and book a free 30-minute chat to learn more about coaching with me or to check out my self-study programs. I also invite you to join my email list where you'll hear from me a few times each month with recipes and strategies for reducing stress, improving your metabolic health, and working out smarter, not harder. Subscribers will also receive exclusive offers in my programs that I don't share anywhere else, and you'll get early access to registration for my Body Liberation Together group program. I look forward to connecting with you, and let's get back to the show. Yeah. Some some medical doctors don't necessarily have that depth training to look at, you know, what we would consider functional medicine labs. Um, and, you know, obviously, yeah. like, if it's not something that you've been trained to interpret, you don't want to run it. <laughs> It makes for, again, yeah, I mean, their hands are tied. They have so little time. And um, yeah, I mean, even even my doctors are like, look, we can't yeah. run these things too often because your insurance is going to start flagging it and be like, no, I pay for this too often. So, you know, how often that is? There's, 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 yeah, you, you use you know, some of these things. Ideal, some awesome tests that are out of pocket, tools, but that's, yeah. like, that's limiting too. There's some really cool tests that you can do, but it's just, like, you know, it's got to be yeah. selective because <laughs> otherwise it's just really tough in that regard. So the other thing that comes to mind though, for what you're saying with like female specific is the hypermobility. That's a big part of my practice too. And it's mm, mostly, yeah, it's more females than males for sure. But yeah, there's like connective tissue disorders like Marfan's or EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And there's others that are like diagnosed connective tissue disorders. And there's like categories within those diagnoses. Yeah, and it's class. actually hard to get a definitive diagnosis mm -hmm. and be put in it. Cause there's so many, they put them like EDS has, I don't know, at least 10 different variations of, so those are just man-made descriptions for this. Are they all actually a variation of EDS or are those like really separate things that we just don't have a better category for? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just kind of our man struck that we put together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're, there is a, a study yeah. that shows about a, the range is wide, but the, the average is like a quarter of the population that has something called general hypermobility syndrome. It has a few names, but that's the most common what I've heard it called. But so that just means that your joints move a little more than the average person, but you're not necessarily on the spectrum of a diagnosed connective tissue disorder, but you are more likely to have musculoskeletal pain. And then like we talked about earlier, where is that going to show okay. up the most prolifically in the SI joint and mm. in the jaw? It's a proprioception. So those patients, I see a lot of those patients and then it's tough because they don't, there's only so many therapies that they can actually have done to them, right? So if a joint is unstable at all, the body responds by, it, that means that they have ligament laxity, right? Essentially, if they're a little unstable. So the ligament attaches the bone to bone. Yeah. So that ligament isn't strong enough, isn't tight enough. And that's a systemic thing problem for this group. Mm -hmm. 
So they move a little more than they should. So the body's response to that is that muscles act like ligaments. Muscles will tighten up to create the stability for that person. So now they'll have this chronic muscle tension. Mm. So you could go to a rolfer or the massage therapist and they can release that for you. But is that a good thing? Then what's holding you together. And by the time you're down the street, it's going to, if it's from that instability, it's going to come back again, hit you back. And then, so sometimes you don't want that to let go. If it's a case of an athlete, like a female, that's why so many young girls, soccer players, they get the, it's called the terrible triad, but it's an ACL tear, an MCL tear, and a medial meniscus tear. And they call it the terrible triad. It's terrible. And it's like the classic female, young female soccer player. Yeah, that does sound terrible. partly because I think those players, I've been able to predict who's going to get that with patients that come in. There's some joint laxity tests that you can do and things like that. And say, hey, you're at a really high risk of this happen and just just keep an eye on it. And I don't tell them to stop playing Mm -hmm. or anything. That's their decision. But I think they should know that they're in a higher risk category for that happening. But a lot of those, yeah. And then can they do preventative exercise and yeah, things so to that strengthen group, or I've seen so many of them like I've gotten down like a pretty good so a lot of times like I said they, they can't go get massage that doesn't work for them hello nutrition editors if you've been listening and you're ready to put this work into practice in your own life head over to joliverwellness.com and book a free 30-minute chat to learn more about coaching with me or to check out my self-study programs I also invite you to join my email list where you'll hear from me a few times each month with recipes and strategies for reducing stress, improving your metabolic health, and working out smarter, not harder. Subscribers will also receive exclusive offers in my programs that I don't share anywhere else, and you'll get early access to registration for my Body Liberation Together group program. I look forward to connecting with you, and let's get back to the show. Regular chiropractic doesn't make any sense. If the joint's unstable to begin with, why am I going to create more motion in the joint? But again, they, they go to chiropractors and chiropractors will do that. And there's like, yeah. even EDS patients. And I'm like, why would a chiropractor adjust an EDS patient? What's the possible rationale? I don't know. But so they're just very limited. So what I found was, like I said, we, we try more to get the, the work with mm. the neurology and get the, the proprioceptive feedback in the SI joint, the jaw, and then try and work on the spine in a way that's safe for okay. them. And get everything, and, and usually they'll get a really good response to that. And it'll mm-hmm. hold for some of them for a certain amount of time. Some of them, if they, because a lot of them do have jaw issues as well, as I said, because that's such a big piece of the proprioceptive work. Yeah. And especially if they've had a ton of dental stuff or whatever, okay. they'll have jaw. So some of them do really well with a stabilizing appliance to create that descending stability, like we talked about before. Some of them, if we can't get that SI joint stable enough, mm-hmm. there's things called SI belts, which kind of help to support the SI joint. And then there's things called prolotherapy injections, which they can use in the SI joint to tight. So they're, it's like a sugar substance. So it's actually an irritant. Yeah. They shoot it in there and it tightens the ligament. And that can be a, but essentially I try to get them somewhat stable. Mm-hmm. And then I found they transition to Pilates. Then we're both seeing them for a little while. And then they wean off of me mm-hmm. and go more towards Pilates. Yeah. And then once they're really cruising, then I start having them, okay, now that your spine is strong because that's what it's all about stability in Pilates, right? So now that you've got a strong core and spine, now I'll start working with a trainer to develop more yeah. muscle mass in your joints in general. So now that you've got this good base, like we've worked on the proprioception, we've gotten everything even level. The Pilates person has gotten you 
strengthened your spine and stability and you're, you're good there. Now work on safely doing weight training because the building muscle is what's going to stabilize the joint for them. So that's going to be a huge deal, but they can't, most of them, not all of them, some of them can, most of them can't just jump into weight training right? because they're just not stable and they have no stability anywhere. So it's just, and if you just go work with mm-hmm. a random trainer, most of them are going to want you to do a full range yeah. of motion. So these people, if you have them do like a bicep curl, if I'm doing that. a bicep curl, my own anatomy yeah. stops me at, at even. But if I have a weight in my hand and I'm hypermobile, I'm going to be hyperextending my elbow with every single rep. Or if I'm doing a squat, no, their butt will go and touch the floor and then come back up with weight. Right. And so it's, it's not, it's not somebody helpful. has to stop them from getting into those. Mm. You're better off even going less than all the way down, stopping here instead of going all okay. the way to here. Makes You're sense. much better off. So just working with somebody that understands hypermobility and but we've had really good success with those patients. Like I said, just weaning them off of more dependent type care with me and then getting them more into proactive type care where, so some of them, like I said, they just check mm-hmm. in when they bang their foot on a table or it's like something happens and they're, they're, I'll see them again. I'm like, How, how's everything? They'll be like, oh, it's great. I, I'm yeah. flying. I just did this thing. Yeah. But that's a really much more common in females, the general hypermobility. Nice. But yeah. I think some of that goes back to the work you do too. I mean, I think the nutrition piece, sometimes they're not eating enough calories. Sometimes they're not getting enough collagen. Sometimes they're not getting enough protein. Like I think a lot, cause that's it's a big one. So yeah, they're trying to build muscle and then I'm like, well, what do you eat? You know? And yeah, they're yeah, like the a big grass and water face. Awesome. Okay. Carbs. Yeah. And I'm training like five times a day and I don't understand why I'm getting injured. It's so if crazy. That, yeah. yeah so the younger crazy. ones, it's like <laughs> so, pizza and yeah. No. Right. The no. nutrient density. I mean, there's a guy I was treating recently who came in right? with a, yeah. his knee and his hip were bothering him. And he had been to PTs and I'm doing like one-legged BOSU ball squats and all kinds of stuff. This guy, I just had him hold on to something and try to just bend his legs down. And his knees were like shaking in the wind. So he had no mobility in his ankles, no mobility in his hips. And then too much mobility in his knee, right? So you want mobility in certain joints, but you want more stability in other joints. Like you want stability in your SI joint and your knee. You want mobility in your hip and your ankle. So he was all which way. So Mm -hmm. And he just, he had heard that someone told him I could just turn on a muscle and then everything would be fine. And I was like, man, I wish, but you need to be like completely broken down and redone. (laughs) And that was, I referred him to a PT. That was just a perfect... Because you just give them like a diagnosis and they've got all their algorithms and all that. They're going to work with him and torture him in a thousand different ways. And it's, I, I can't just, it's, this isn't just your, oh, your pelvis yeah. is a little twisted or, oh, this quad, <laughs> this hip flexor is not firing. Oh, this is a mess. So yeah. it's, I've seen guys too, but, but he was a, not a, a distance fix. runner. So distance running is naturally catabolic. So I'm like, well, what are you eating? And again, it's like, he's a vegetarian. Right. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But it's like, you have to know you're tearing your body down like that. You need collagen, yeah. you need protein, you need. So he's yeah. really started thinking, he started breaking down his calories and like, he's yeah. going out on these like 10, 15, 20 mile runs. And he was eating like 1800 calories. And he's an adult male that's running. So man, I was like, even with PT, like you have no chance. Yeah. Not like, right. You have to address this other piece. And then, so I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to eat like an athlete. <laughs> I have a client that's exactly that, you know, a woman, but in midlife, endurance athlete, vegetarian. 
And it is a challenge to get enough. It's, it's not about, you know, cause so many people come to me with fat loss and they're so concerned yeah. about eating less. It's like, no, 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 we've got to get you more of the right foods. Like you're not actually nourished. So of course your body is going to effectively store fat. You're not going to have an easy time building the muscle that you want to get that honed look. Like you have to get enough of the right thing and for real nutrition and the I, protein is a big one. Women really, I believe it. Very That's rarely. It. I think in some ways, it, there's like a, and I think it's more almost like a cultural stick. Like my wife's Chinese, and so I see it a lot in that community. They think if you go to the gym five days, you're going to look like female, body, like Hulk Hogan or like the Hulk or something. And I'm like, you wish it was that easy. You wish it was that easy. And so I'm going to bulk up. They all, yeah, exactly. I knew you would. Yeah. They, and oh, then no. the other thing, <laughs> this conversation, all the time, women think that in weight the US. And, and everything through like, diet but then they end up not eating and what they end up doing is snacking all the time they just graze on like junk like crap and it's just like you're better off eating like a good meal it's more your oh. forte but yeah i just feel like uh, there's some like kind of basic uh, misunderstandings yeah. with uh, some of that stuff that you know mm. yep and that's pervasive world like we're just that's what we've had you know drilled into our heads for so long <laughs> so long too long but out of that now, I think we're starting to come out of it and people are starting to understand a little bit more that the eat less, exercise more thing is a dead end and all the crap we were taught, especially in the eighties and nineties is nonsense. And it's a start right. treating our bodies with a different attitude, you know, with some respect and learning how we actually can nurture and nourish ourselves and give our bodies what they need right. to function. You get a lot of people of like message board readers more, that come in and like, like um, I read it. what about, what do you think about this? Or I read about this. What do you think about this? I feel like there's almost too much information. Like information's good, but it's like, like I said, there's a lot of like yeah. half truths or quarter truths rolling around that I feel like uh, so it's good to research in a way, but I find mm -hmm. some of those people are like, they're so stuck because they've heard a thousand different things. And now that I can't do that because of this, and I know that won't work because of this. So yeah. they either do nothing or they go like full board so down some rabbit hole. Do you find yeah. that a lot in your? Yeah, I, mm. I do. And it's interesting because people often yeah. come to see me when they're exhausted by doing that. They've been doing that for a while and they're like, this isn't helping. Like, I'm not getting anywhere with this. I'm not making progress. I'm not feeling better. My life is not that's improving. Like and I need some help and direct from a, someone that's that information down for me. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, I love context with the new you, stuff. That's the difference, out, right? Like you have a context to what is to place it worthwhile, what's not. The average yeah. person doesn't have that context. So it's just, yeah, it's my job. Like you say you'll read it in the news one thing, don't ever eat butter. And then the next day, like, all right. you should eat is butter and you can survive on butter. It's like, wait, 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 what do I do? Yeah. Uh, and it has to be grass fed butter. Yeah. And then it's, <laughs> all right, it's so many. Just, it's, yeah, if you don't yeah. have a context, like a base, pump the brakes. What's going on? I feel like that's really confusing. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing that you're doing. I mean, you're looking at the individual. What is their situation, right? Where is, what is their physical state of being? What's their emotional state of being? And how do we look at this, not in a vacuum, but as a whole person who is, you know, emotional and spiritual and physical, and how can we blend those things to help them live serves them well and helps them have a better quality of life. And, you know, 
the Western world, we don't really think that way as much. You know, we see a lot in Eastern medicine that takes a more holistic approach, but here we do tend to look at, you know, mm. specialties and we look at things in a vacuum. And I think that that's excellent Absolutely. if you're dealing in acute care. It's necessary. Thank God we have that for many reasons. But if we're talking like, you know, long-term chronic stuff that's not getting fixed in, you know, our typical medicine system or preventative care or, you know, hey, like the things that you and I see all the time, you know, with me, gut health, inflammation, maybe food sensitivities, skin issues um, that are all linked into nutrition, gut health, and then, you know, the physical manifestations of all these things that you're seeing that, you know, just because one little thing is off structurally, it affects the rest of your body and your organ function and everything. So I think it's really exciting now that, but, you know, maybe there was a lot of fun different studies to prove that now because there's more interest in it, it's becoming more mainstream. We are seeing, yeah, yeah, we are seeing more data and more, it's super exciting. Um, So, on the lines of prevention prevention or preventative medicine, do you, well, just tell me a little bit about how people can use you or how your work acts mm. preventatively as well. I mean, you tell that a little bit as far as, you know, addressing proprioception, that kind of thing. But if someone comes in and is like, hey, I don't have any necessary, I just want to make sure I'm taking care of my body. I want to age well. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm caring for it structurally. I have a lot of clients mm-hmm. who, you know, call whatever you will. They just want to really optimize their performance physically, mentally. Um, yeah, like you said, I think the motivation so for people do you feel nowadays like is getting greater and greater. With and that. Just, there's just so many tools and tricks and toys and so many different viewpoints with that. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of it depends on what the person's got going on. I, if somebody that's completely asymptomatic comes into my office, if you poke around enough, you'll find something, right? I get it in your work. If you run enough tests on somebody... You'll find something that needs to be tweaked, but it's sure. some, pain symptoms are always the, yeah. it's, it's the last thing to show up, but it's the first <laughs> thing to go. And there's some people that have a really, people have different experiences with pain. Some people come in, like I said, I, I work a lot on the head and neck and the jaw, no matter who I see, just because it's relevant. So someone might come in with a knee problem, but I'm up here anyway, I'll check and, and their jaw is completely off, like tons of degeneration in the joint. Their neck is a mess. And I'll be like, I'll look back at the, their intake form and nothing about neck pain, nothing about jaw pain. And I'll be like, by the way, yeah, this is like a brick wall back here. Like, how does it, how, yeah, it's a little tight, but I, <laughs> how I don't, doesn't bother me. Okay. Versus some people come in yeah. and they're like, man, 10 out of 10 pain. I'm dying here. And you'll find like one little, the athletes are like that because they're so in tune with their body. If they have one little thing, It'll show up, especially the sprinters, because they're just, they're like, you're just going in a line yeah. as fast as you can. Any little thing, it, they're going to feel it. And so it's just, I think it's kind of maintenance for the body, but at the same time, I think it depends who you are. I think any, anyone could benefit from being more aligned and getting tension off of their head and neck and their, and getting their proprioceptive system working better. Like you said, I, I don't think there's any way that could hurt anybody. Saying that, most of the patients I see are pain patients, right? So they, it's, they've got something that's going on that's bothering yeah. them. Right. Some people respond really quick to that and I don't see them again. It's fine. It's whatever you, they want out of care. Some people are like, I don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. And so once we get them stable, we go for like a minimum effective dose essentially. So we just keep spacing it out. To, some people check in once a year 
and they're just like, yeah, it's a little tight, but I just want to stay ahead of it or whatever. I haven't seen you in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Just want to see what's going on. So it really, for adults, it just depends. There's so many things that you could do for yourself. But to me, it's like, man, if, you know, like if you're really focused on right, your nutrition yeah. and you don't really have, you feel pretty good physically, maybe it's the mental, emotional, spiritual part that you need to work on. Or if it's, I think it's just everyone, you only have so much time, money, yeah. resources, effort, you only have so much of it. So I think it's just, for adults, it's really just what's pressing and then finding ways to help yourself in a lot of ways. But I think to ward off a lot of cranial strain and then a lot of issues, I think kids are really, it's good to get kids evaluated correctly early. And Dana touched on this too. Cranial development starts really early. Like your cranium is mostly developed by the time you're 10 years old. So cranial strains and this kind of thing that are putting a torque on the cranium and that an underdevelopment mm. of the maxilla, that's what lead, that's why people have crooked teeth because mm-hmm. if this bone doesn't get to the size and shape it okay. needs to get to, then there's not enough room for the adult teeth. And then instead you and Dana touched on some of these things, but I think getting those things fixed while they're still growing with the right intervention, instead there's a lot of intervention, but the, the right intervention, it could be a really easy thing. Like I, yeah, I see kids ideal. maybe four or five times. And sometimes they don't even have to see the dentists. Their teeth are straight. They're, they're breathing, if they're breathing correctly. So the thing, my work and Dana's work to, wow. to an extent, if you can catch the kids, like I said, like before they're 10, if you correct the cranial strain and you correct the oral dysfunction, so instead of if you get them to nose, nasal breathe, lips together, tongue on the top of their mouth, especially if they're sleeping like that, mm-hmm. you help them with the cranial strain, get them aligned. While they're growing, they'll start, they'll self-correct because they're growing. You're just keeping them on, on, you don't need a lot of intervention. Any dental appliance doesn't have to be this big, major, crazy thing. A lot of them aren't even pushing in the Mm -hmm. right way anyway. There's a certain way the cranium grows. Most of the dental appliances are not pushing in that way. They're just distorting the bone or pushing the teeth or... I said, that's where the intention's there, but there's just not an understanding of cranial Uh, growth development. Yikes. But once it's an adult... The word that said, and Dana did a good job of articulating this also, but it becomes a lot more complicated, right? And sometimes you actually have to have, even though the dental piece is the last yeah, piece yeah. that, that is, is the problem. Sometimes you have to have them go in and do things to make, change the size and shape of this and then get things leveled out and it, clear out that you see the ENT, you see the, the list of practitioners you can see for these issues is you could be seeing 20 different people, literally. And they all really have a legitimate place to be helping. It just gets really complicated and really expensive. So I think getting the kids the right intervention early can really ward off so many, because if, if they're getting restful sleep, and then their cranium's growing to the size and shape it needs to. And that kind of, they're, they're probably not going to need orthodontic work. That's a ton of money you save as a parent, right? They're probably going to do better in yeah. school, right? They're not going to be as exhausted. Yeah. They're not going to like stress eat or emotional eat. or They're probably going to be more mm-hmm. even keeled and be able, they're, they're going to be more in a parasympathetic. So they're not going to be as prone to getting sick. And all. there's so many, I think the biggest prevention is getting kids checked early and then if something doesn't feel right, get a second opinion. That's like the biggest thing I have to say. Like I said, like that baby with the 
three tongue tie surgeries by the time there's this kid was yeah. six months old. Yeah. You see that stuff yeah, all the time. Definitely. And it's like the parents are so well-intentioned mm. and I think the practitioner is too, but they just know what they know. And then we all get yeah. in our tunnel vision. Sometimes I'm guilty of, of it too. I think we all have, exactly. you can't know everything all the time. So it's just, but I do think getting multiple opinions, oh, we all are. even if it costs a little bit of money, I think it's, I think it's worth it. Cause if you're going to spend the money and the effort to do it, and especially like as a parent with the kids, like if you're going to like the myofunctional stuff, it's like the Dana does. Yeah. It takes the, if you're doing it with a kid, the parent has, it's like, hey, you got to do your myofunctional therapy exercises. And what do you think kids are going to say? I want to do my myofunctional. They don't work if they don't do them. The dental appliances, yeah. like a lot of the removable ones, like they, they don't use a lot of force <laughs> and they can really do major, yeah. major yeah. positive things for the kid. They don't work if they're on the shelf. So it's like the parent has to be involved. The kid has to be involved. Everyone's got to be as a team working together and you can mm-hmm. really prevent of so many, so many issues. Yeah. 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 Well, parents <laughs> will give you option too for Dr. Scapa and everything in the show notes so that you can access these um, resources. And I'll have to put in the show notes a link to the episode with Dana Tasha, who's the myofunctional therapist too. So what are some of the most common mistakes, mm-hmm. Jason, that, that we have when it comes to like posture and- The biggest one I see in my practice, again, that's just because of who I see a lot of TMD, craniofacial pain people, is the a lot of them will have really bad neck pain. And some of them will actually have, so it's called TOS, but thoracic outlet syndrome, where they're getting like ridiculous pain, like shooting into their hands and shoot. But it's from a loss of that cervical curve, mm-hmm. right? The, like you said, the posture, this, the, the neck is straight or coming forward like that. And when that happens, it puts an exponential amount of stress on the Mm. lower cervical spine. And that's where 90% of degeneration and disc herniations happen in the neck. And that's because of that process. And I was told in school that as chiropractors, we can fix that. Mm -hmm. I've had chiropractors swear to me that they can fix that. And I'm like, show me, show me. They can show me like an immediate thing, but I'm like, okay, show me a follow-up six months later. It's not there. And again, Dana pointed on this too. I think most of those cases where the neck's coming forward like that, it's actually an airway issue. So you'll see that in a cone beam CT scan, you know, the lateral cone beam CT, that the, the neck, the airway will go down like this and there'll be like an hourglass kink in the airway. So if you have that kink in the airway to get a little, if your neck's curved like this and the airway's mm-hmm. in the front and you have a kink, to get a little more space, the neck will push forward like that to create more space in the airway. And they're going to have more of a forward posture like that. Even somebody without an airway issue, if I had you run up and down a flight of stairs a hundred times, what's the posture you'd get in when you're done? Hands would be on your knees. Your neck would be extended because it opens your airway for yourself. But these people are walking around like that all the time. And so I think mm, getting the airway yeah, yeah. and it's easier right. said than done. I mean, that the cone beam CT yeah. and an echopharyngometry reading are the gold standard for diagnosing the, that component of airway. So those are, yeah, so there's some, and like you say, you know, you have some tongue like stuff and some <laughs> other stuff. So that's a, it's a piece, but it's part of it too, is like how much is it bothering you? And then yep. how much time, money, and effort do you want to throw at it? So it's like, so some people, mm-hmm. there's a, a ton of things Always, that can yeah. be done. Yeah. And it's just like, what's, I try to make it a mix of like, what does that patient need and what do they want out of care? Right. So if they're fairly stable and they're doing okay, their symptoms are good, they're they're okay, 
then they might just check in every once in a while. They're fine. We maybe don't go any further with that. But if it's like a chronic issue, or I think they really have a serious, some people, their airway is so kinked, they can't even lay on their back because they're choking. They can't breathe. It depends how severe it is with mm. how sometimes an oral appliance can open that up oh, wow. by, by bringing the jaw down and forward and releasing that. But if that kink is from tonsils or it's from something else, then obviously you have to address it that way. So there's a myriad of different paths that can be taken just depending on how the patient presents and how what they want out of care. So that's one that in terms of posture. The sitting is another one that's pretty big. Yeah. Yep. I think tech neck is, is I, we're all in front of the computer, we're hunching the shoulders. I, I think it's error, yeah. I think tech neck is it's ridiculous. Think of like people like 150 years ago. Okay. Think about how much they were reading in candlelight. Yeah, come on. Like newspaper. Like being like yeah. this isn't a, it's not <laughs> like a new thing. I don't For- I don't well, the only difference other, that someone yeah, could argue is the, yeah, the light the or the EMF yeah, that's, that's coming from that device. EMF, but, yeah, I think essentially just move. However, you, whatever works for you, whatever, I think just mm-hmm. moving is good. And I like functional movements. You see a lot of older people, they, like they can't get up off a couch or they can't get up off a toilet seat. So it's like, how important is squatting? Just, so, mm-hmm. so it's like doing, it doesn't have yeah. to be like, I think, I'm sure you see this yeah. too, where people think they have to spend like two hours in a gym. It's just not true. Not true. You can get a ton done in 10, 15 minutes at your house right. with some bands or a kettlebell or something. I think weight, some kind of weight training is useful. Mm-hmm. And then you can keep it really simple and just focus on yeah. really functional movements that matter to you and then mix it up with some upper and lower body. And, and it helps to work with somebody to get at the beginning to make sure your form's good and all that stuff. Just but. I don't think it has to be complicated. I love the orange theory thing. Like I've had yeah. patients like, it's like the hit exercise. They go in, they just get their butt kicked for 45 minutes or whatever it is. And they come out and there's a community right, of people. And, and there's, are there some negatives? Is it perfect? No. Do they maybe push themselves a little too hard sometimes? Yeah, maybe because it's a group exercise class. But the point is they're going. And that's the, and then, and then it's just about keeping up. Uh, like to your point, the nutrition and that kind of stuff to make sure, but, or if there is a, I think for a lot of people that are not athletes, they have adults that have trouble knowing something like exercise induced soreness versus I have a problem. Yeah. So people that aren't athletes, like sometimes they'll, I don't want to exercise. Oh, I was really hurting after I was really sore afterwards. And I was like, let's like, we have to talk through, was it something that was a problem or was it just that you haven't exercised and a million years and now you're exercising and maybe you did a little too much the first day. So what's, what is that? And then talk them through that. But yeah. I just, I love something called foundation training and maybe we can link to that, but I think that's just a great thing to do. If you sit a lot, just to break up your day, he's got his name, Derek Goodman. He's a chiropractor down in Southern California, but he's come up with a lot of spine rehab tools, do a lot of excessive flexion or extension of the spine. And I think some people can handle those and have no problem, but for some people, they'll set them okay. off in a negative way. I like his exercises because spine is neutral. And so you're really focused on more strengthening the posterior chain specifically, like all okay. the way down in the glutes, hamstrings, low back, having those fire as a unit, and then moving from the hips versus the joints in the low back. And I like that a lot in terms of a, both a preventative, but also if you are having problems, like I've given that to people that have come crawling into my office. 
and I've given it to everyone in between and they benefit from yeah. it. And I said, he's got books, DVDs and stuff, but he's got a free YouTube channel. That's usually where I point people. And then there's one, he's got a bunch of different series. So I just cool. have people okay. start with the, it's called the founder, start with that one. And then if it's, it's great. And then if there's others that look interesting, they're all yeah, safe to do because your spine's mm-hmm. in neutral. So there's really no way that you'll feel muscles firing and that's good, but your, your spine is safe. So they're great. Yeah. So I have a question about that. I was mm. just recently talking to um, someone who is 77 mm. years old and they started doing physical therapy. This is someone who's had some joint replacements and she said what muscle soreness feels like after working out. She said, but after, and he, the, to jump back. So the PT, the therapist had her doing this exercise where she was just standing at her countertop and holding and okay. then putting her feet in a specific mm-hmm. position and closing her eyes and trying to maintain balance. So I knew he was working on proprioception mm-hmm. and it was a really cool thing. And she complained of pain is that once nerves and things are kind of coming line that someone could experience. Um, she's like, well, I don't know if I should be doing this. This, this could be hurting me. And I'm thinking standing in. Yeah. Oh, like, hurting like, no, it's amazing how the, the we may cut out this segment. But she it's might be one of those people that's asking like for a friend situation. Like any little thing, she can feel it. And it's a blessing and a curse. So it's like, do you know where she had pain? Do you remember where she was having pain? Mm-hmm. In her hips. So it might be act- if she's I think it was the hips. If she's taking away the so visual, mm-hmm. it could be that it's activating her your glute med is your side to side stabilizer, and that's right around there. That's the only thing I could think of. But there's mm-hmm. no way that's I just can't think of any possible mechanism of how she's going to hurt herself doing that. Yeah, as long as she's not at a risk of falling or something like that. But no, I think it could only be positive. Right, and then Neither. you'll be more stable if the glute med if those are firing. That's probably firing those, and maybe she hasn't had those been firing for maybe they haven't been for a long time but yeah 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 for sure yeah. ask you about because i want to um we'll need to wrap up here and i have a couple more questions for you um but along the lines of things that we should or should not be doing for oh, ourselves posturally oh, and structure. Oh, yeah. what is your take on high oh, they're fine. No, I'm just i know that yeah. that's uh, something that there's no, a lot of negativity about for a couple of reasons right one is the shape of the high heel. So it brings your toes into this gnarled position, right? So you, so you, I think if you wear them every once in a while, it's probably fine, but you do not want feet problems. Like you do not want feet problems. That's mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. Jaw, jaw pain is like right. probably the worst pain or maybe low back pain, but the most frustrating is the feet because you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. And it's hard yeah. to correct once the bone's distorted in that way. But your whole gait changes, yeah, right? Because yeah. normally when you walk, if this is my big toe, mm. I toe off of the big toe. Mm-hmm. So then if you're like this, you start to develop like a bunion on the side and it shortens your gait because you're no longer towing off on the big toe. You start towing off on this knuckle, on the metatars. And so you're, you, it shortens your stride because you're not here, you're here. Yeah. The other thing it does, it puts your low back into a really intense lordosis. So your pelvis dumps forward. And it puts your low back. You want to have a lordosis. That's normal, mm. right? But too much flexion mm-hmm. in the low back is associated with lumbar disc issues. Mm. Much ex- 
No, that's, see, that, that, that's when you have the heels in is when your butt mm-hmm. sticks out more. Is that when and your so butt's people, sticking out more? And anatomically, or moving people forward, have forward. a little bit more, they'll have a really strong lordosis okay. or a straighter spine. So the person with the straighter spine, to bring it back to the butt, like, like you'll have a flat, more flat butt. Mm-hmm. So you'll walk behind a family and you'll see the same butt yeah. basically, right? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because <laughs> your lumbar spine. Yeah. So you God. will probably do Family's you flat probably have less chance of getting uh. hurt with heels in, ter- in terms of your back. Your feet would still be messed up, but because you're like this anyway, and the heel's giving you some lordosis. So that might actually feel good for you. Sure. Yeah. Because it's actually putting less pressure on the discs in your low back. Someone yeah. who walks around, their whole family has this big, like big butt, right? And like a strong mm-hmm. lordosis. If they get in heels, it's going to like just crank it even more. And there's yeah. these things called facet joints. That's where all of our spine, there's two for each spinal uh, segment. Yeah. And that's where the movement in each individual vertebra comes from. It's in those facet joints. And so those facet joints though can cause pain. Hyperflexion, like I said, of the lumbar spine, is a, it bothers the back, the low back, the discs. But hyperextension can irritate those facet joints. Mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. give you something like facet joint syndrome, which is essentially just an irritation of those facet joints okay. where it locks your low back into an, into an extension. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. not the, but it's just an awkward posture anyway. And it changes your whole gait. And I don't know. I'm not a, I, I just think it's a, I don't know. So you wear for, yeah, wear occasionally. And then if you know you're going to be, yeah hanging out afterwards occasionally and, and not yeah everyone's hanging out anyway and usually there's like one formal thing you wear them for like a wedding for example you're sitting most of the time at the wedding and watching it you're just walking to your car yeah. and back but for the reception <laughs> right. like, bring a pair of flat shoes right. no one cares at that point anyway you're dancing you're don't do all that in, maybe drinking don't do all that in heels like yeah. why would you do that to yourself right and you're just gonna be miserable yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I used to do that to myself yeah. constantly. And I worked years. I'd be on my feet in three inch heels. For well, people that have gone through that and they want those toast, some toe spacers. <laughs> God, I know. Really I cringe helpful. now. You I could never do that. Toe spacers that, and there's a million brands and there are, I don't know, there's pros and cons mm. all of them. Those work well. I mean, you don't wear them to sleep. Just wear them when you're awake. You kind of mm-hmm. wean up to wear them first for like half yeah. an hour a day, then try an hour, try to wean sure. up to wearing them and it'll help. But you have to, you really have to repattern everything and it takes a while. You can come back from it, but yeah, heels are terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's good to know. I mean, you know, that's one of the goals of this show is to give people, they need to make the best decisions for themselves. Um, you know, some, some of us really love our heels and stop running them constantly. And some of us are like, nope, can't do it. And I definitely don't tolerate them the way that I used to. I just, I'm not willing to put myself through the pain that I won for beauty. <laughs> just not willing to do that extreme anymore. Um, and I have a lot of beautiful shoes. Sure. That never get. That's a great, that's good to know. So thanks for answering that question. If you could give one to listeners as a takeaway today, um, you know, as far as context. Can I give three, like one for be? mental, emotional, physical, chemical? Can I do that? Okay. Get well, chemicals, get, get some labs done. It's okay. amazing the stuff that you can catch. I don't want to scare people. Can I give a sad story? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just say too, that it started just offering basic, labs so I because of this is like, thing. I think that there's so much that we can ago. glean from This guy came it, in to yes, see me. Share been the in the military a long time. He's probably 62, something like that. 
he's having some symptoms, like just musculoskeletal stuff. He's kind of get checked out, but just some of the stuff he was telling me in the history was just a little, it was a little odd and I didn't feel great about it. And so I really, I was insisted that he get labs done. He was very with it. He was, we were talking, everything seemed okay. It was just those little alarm bells go off sometimes. He was just like, I need to listen to this. And I had him, I promised me you'll go get laps today. I'm going to put it right, in. Right. Yeah. Your instinct. Oh, I'll get him. He, he hated, hated doctors. Didn't want to go to doctor's offices. Never went to the doctor's office. Was a pretty fit guy mm-hmm. by appearance. Yeah. So he did go get the labs done. And then I got a call the next morning mm-hmm. from the lab company at five in the morning, which that's only happened a couple of times and it's never good. And they're like, oh, this geez. guy's blood sugar is like to the moon. Like he's, and he died that night. Isn't that crazy? A simple blood test at any point in his life would have probably saved his life. And I said, usually when you hear people having blood sugar like that, they're like hallucinating, they're passed out. They're like, a lot of times it mimics like stroke symptoms. Like they could be too high or too low or they're right. But yeah, this guy was like totally not textbook at all. And it's just terrible, but that's an extreme example, but I could give you half a dozen others like similar that are really terrible. Yeah. Sometimes do you don't even have to Especially go you in. Guys do a telehealth like thing. Do it you, once. You're part of your insurance. You can get it covered yeah. sometimes and you just go to mm. get your blood taken. Then yeah, you can do it all right. online in terms of the interpretation and have a con- – you don't even have to go anywhere really except to get the blood drawn. But, but yeah, I just think one, you can track things over time because you're right. If, if a trend is developing – like you might be okay, but you're trending year after year. Something's getting a little worse. And it's like, huh, like it just raises a little question and maybe mm-hmm. they'll do a couple of follow-up labs next time or something like that. Yeah. But it can also catch stuff that's just really not right. And then yeah. it could really, it could save your life. And it's usually covered by your insurance policy anyway. Usually they'll do it. It's a basic panel, but it's better than nothing. Right. Well, that would be the one thing for that. And then for... Physical medicine, I would just say, I would say move, Absolutely. move. You, got, you can't just sit around. You walk, play pickleball, something. You guys are just so sedentary. I just think we just have to, me and in Europe, they eat, I was, I was in Italy like six months ago and they're eating, they're drinking wine. They're eating tons of pasta. They're eating like high carb diet and all stuff. I didn't see one obese person the whole time I was in Italy. They were in like great shape. Like they weren't like walking around like yeah. they, they were all in, they were smoking. Right. They were they, like ripped and tiramisu. <laughs> they were like, it was just amazing. Like it's probably yeah. the quality of the food, but it's also the Yeah. Well they walk. Yeah, they spend a lot of time with family. Yeah, there's they, a few factors. I don't know. There. I think Lower stress there's a lot levels to that in our culture. Them, they they move. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I mean that ties into the discussion about blood sugar, which is, you know, something that I always constantly revisit because it's such a common issue now, but like just moving your muscles helps you be more insulin sensitive. It helps your body reduce the blood circulating in your blood. So, you know, moving is, is really crucial, especially after meals. And, um, for so long, I have clients set alarms often if they're sitting for long periods of the day, um, you know, minimum every hour, and it, Move it, around, yeah, it, it five jumping flow, like jacks, said, walk down the hall, do whatever length, you have to do to get out of your seat. problem for a lot of people is moving length, especially if they've got Lyme disease or they've got, they're yes, trying to detox yes, yes, or so metals big. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they're just sitting around. I know that a lot of times you don't feel well, yeah. but at least walk, at least do get some yeah. bands, do something uh, on the sofa. Yeah. If you can. Whatever you can do to get the muscles mm-hmm. to pump, it's going to help you do all that. 
It, whatever, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, do a kegel or whatever. You I mean, squeeze anything. your butt cheeks in the chair. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the? Have you followed the yep. glucose goddess? Do you know this? Girl? Pump your calves. She mm-hmm. has some cool stuff. Like I don't. I learned a lot from her. But one of them was like yeah. exercise, just like you said, with glucose levels. It was like really impactful. It was cool to see it because everyone says stuff, right? Like yeah. they say stuff, and it's like, yeah, is it true? Few minutes true? after eating. she has the like yeah, charts that difference. like. It's so cool. I don't, yeah, I just found yeah. out about it. Maybe I'm the last one to know. I, I thought yeah, it was a little pretty snapshot amazing. of this. Really interesting. Glucose the monitor. Fiber before you eat, do the, eat this and this. And, uh, yeah. I figured you already knew a lot of stuff. I, 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 knew knew. I mean, this is stuff I've been talking about for years. A lot of us have been. Yeah, but you know, glucose monitors haven't been super accessible for people until recently. And I love that she does yeah. take that snapshot you know, with different scenarios so that people have this really simple visual of what is happening in your body. And it, again, Mm -hmm. is getting us out of that sort of calories in, calories out mindset, helping us to realize like, hey, chemistry matters too. What you're putting in has an effect on your body, Yeah, you know, and a piece of white processed bread versus, you know, a piece of good quality protein or a high fat. It's just like really drove it home for me. So what's your number three? And then, yeah, the mental emotional piece is just (laughs) understand, just, you know, don't give up on that piece. Like don't think that you have to, it's different than the the physical and the chemical stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's more passive. Like we want somebody to fix it for us. I'm going to go to get a massage. I'm going to go to the chiropractor. I'm going to take this supplement. I'm going to, that's one that you can't, Nobody can fix it for you per se. Is like you have to, so it's harder in that regard, and you have to be in a place to do it. But I think there's so many resources now that like, there's so many more accessible for sure. But then also, like I said, there's EMDR work, and there's the brain spotting, and there's there's so many other biofeedback. There's so many other ways to go about it where you don't have to just sit there on a sofa with somebody and like spill your guts. You, know, you could. Right. There's a lot of different, and that helps some people, but for some people, it's not helpful. So I, I just think there's. I would just encourage people to understand the value of it. Like I said, I, I do think that's the yeah. most important aspect of people's health. I think it's the least addressed and I, I don't do a good job of addressing it myself. I'm just not trained enough in it. I don't feel comfortable going there, but I do think, I think it is the most impactful. I've, I've seen that hold people back more than anything else. Yeah. I would hundred percent agree with you. The same thing is applies when it comes to people's diets a hundred percent. And just like you, I will refer out because we do talk a lot about mindset. That's one of the mm-hmm. biggest things I'm constantly focusing on with people. We always start there because your brain's driving the bus, right? But your subconscious mm-hmm. is too. And so it's really crucial that if other subconscious drivers, which most of us do that are causing us to, you know, make choices that don't serve mm-hmm. us any longer, you know, we make choices because they serve us on some level at some point in time. And, you know, diving headfirst into the box mm-hmm. of cookies made you cope or get through something that you didn't have the tools to deal with at one point in your life, especially as a small, you know, but it's, those things stop serving us well. And we need to adopt new ways of, of coping and um, not these, these underlying emotional issues. And, um, you know, again, if there's that underlying unresolved trauma, things like that, mm-hmm. like, it's putting physiological stress on your body too. And then it impedes the healing process. You feel worse, and it, it's just this kind of vicious cycle that we can get into. Um, I, you know, our episode now is going to be season three, but um, just before I had an episode about semaglutide error or 
And, um, you know, one of the big concerns, I actually did even a follow-up on it because, you know, one of the concerns I have is that, look, while you're taking that, if you're not also addressing any other emotional, mental stuff that's going on that was driving detrimental eating behaviors, like as soon as you stop taking that, that's going to come back. Opportunity that, look, if you're no longer wanting to turn to the food mm-hmm. as anesthesia, comfort, et cetera, like this is a great chance that you have, especially if things are starting to surface for you. Great. Now here it is. Let's deal. So I think that's really great advice. And um, stuff. Yeah. yeah, we could, again, there's so many, so many good juicy topics here, but Dr. Abba, how can people connect with you and find you? Um, it's in Bellevue, um, Northwest. Um, so we have a website and that kind of thing. Um, we do offer like a free 10 minute phone consult. I also do uh, case reviews for people out of state, uh, mostly for the piece. So we kind of go through your whole case and uh, kind of evaluate what would good appliance fit for that person or what, what would be kind of the plan of attack that. So that's, um, and then a you channel that I'm trying to potentially kind of get, get going. Uh, yeah. Cool. So that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we'll provide links to all that stuff for you guys in the show notes and any resources for people. Um, if they don't live in this area, but they actually want physical mm-hmm. treatment, um, are there resources for people and that they could find someone there that does similar work to what you Yeah. Do? It's going to just because of the, um, a lot of SOT doctors maybe aren't so, so aren't so cranial folk, but the philosophy will be similar. Mm-hmm. And like I said, AK can be, you might go to one only does nutrition. You might go to one that's just doing acupuncture. And that, and so, so it's like, you really would have okay. to kind of what would be a good fit for you, but in general, AK website, I think it's ICAK USA uh, is the ICAK and there's a list practitioner list there. And then uh, see it's soto-a.com um, and they have a practitioner list as well. I would recommend for either one of those, look for someone that's certified um, versus that's just taking yeah. a course because anyone can pay to get their name on the directory basically. I would just, you know, if you really, I, I just, I always refer to certified. It just tells me they've gone through uh, the process of kind of learning the technique at a higher level. I would just trust that they can get a better right. result, but that's not always the case, but yeah. 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 No, that's perfect. That's helpful. Well, thank you so much. Hey there. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave me a quick review. Also check out the show notes for links to connect, follow, and share this podcast and for information featured in each episode. See you next time. I am not a doctor and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. All information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of practitioner or coach client relationship. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you hear in this podcast or any other. And do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your health provider. Always seek the advice of a qualified health practitioner before undertaking a new health regimen. This podcast and website represents the opinion of Jeannie Oliver and guests to the show. Opinions of guests are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Genie Oliver Wellness LLC or our producers.